Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. We're coming to you live from San Antonio where the Thunder is set to close out its sixth game preseason stretch against the San Antonio Spurs. We're recording this on Wednesday, October 12th, which means that last game will be tomorrow night and you can catch it on Bally Sports Oklahoma. We have a special guest with us today to hear talk about a little bit more about what he's seen on the preseason, and that is Mr. Matt Pinto, voice of the Thunder Radio. So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here. It feels so good to be back out on the road, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, uh, with the exception of, what, a 3.30 arrival yeah. in the morning <laughs> last night uh, from, uh, where were we last night? Detroit. Exactly. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. There yeah, we yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, I, one thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about is just your prep is sort of legendary and how you get prepared for games. And we've got this preseason slate of six games. It's double the minimum required two of those games against international teams. The other four games against NBA teams whose rosters are chock full of exhibit 10 players mm -hmm. and the drop ad that's happening this time of season is somewhat chaotic for a play by play person like yourself. What has it been like these last <laughs> couple of weeks trying to get ready for these games? Well, I'm on that magical spot called the internet yeah. a lot, uh, which is helpful. But the one challenge was when we saw Maccabi Ra'anana, which is not just an international team from Israel, but they're a second tier international team, meaning they're not playing the top level right. basketball globally. So in order to get biographical information on some of those guys, it was truly like needing to hire a private eye to get anything <laughs> aside from height and weight. Uh, but other than that, um, it's been relatively standard. It's just been a volume of games. I understand the organization's approach. Mm -hmm. This is such a young team. Getting additional reps in competitive environments has been something that's been really beneficial. Um, so it's just been dive in. You recognize there's going to be 19, 20, 21 guys on each roster. Yep. Uh, and just not knowing game to game which of those guys will play. So tapping back to days when I did junior college basketball and college basketball, college football, the memorization kicks in, unlike during the season where there's almost an automatic about being in the league for an extended period of time, being able to plug in that way. Yeah, that baseline knowledge sometimes is easy to take for granted during the course of a regular NBA season of like, oh, I saw that guy in college. I saw that guy last right. year and the year before mm -hmm. and the year before. Uh, something interesting, though, is just all those Exhibit 10 contracts. The Thunder has signed five guys to those Exhibit 10 contracts over the course of, of training camp. And those guys, many of them have gotten a chance to play as well. You think Robert Woodard and Jaden Shackelford was on the roster. Jalen Ramsey um, did not get to play. But just, you know, a handful of guys. Yeah, last yeah night. right, exactly. Yeah. So some good opportunities for these players who will likely end up on the OKC Blue. And I know that Mark Dagnall has been incredibly valuable to talk to about them. He's had intimate connectivity with them. I know you in calling some Oklahoma City Blue games, the same thing. So it's tapping into whatever resource is accessible <laughs> yeah. and then being ready at the start starting block for whatever it is that unfolds, because these are unique. This is not the way the regular season will be played at all. You recognize that and you just go with what it, what's presented organically. Yeah, I said Jalen Ramsey. I meant Jemias Ramsey, Jemias. my yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm curious how many more names you have to add to your sheet there for yeah. for these these sort of games where there's twenty guys that could play at It's one a time. double sheet. So it's you know, <laughs> it's it's double, you know, that what I normally would have in front of me during games, but that's just, you know, in writing down, Nick and I know we sit together on yeah. the airplane on the, on the flights, you see that I write everything that helps commit it to memory. Mm. There are a lot of guys in the league now that are going more computerized, mm. it's printouts, which, you know, good for them if it works for them. Right. 
I'm old school, you know, it's back to writing with, you know, the small hieroglyphic hand print um, that helps me commit things to memory. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's this combination of cursive <laughs> and sometimes I think you're writing backwards. I can't yeah, possibly yeah, be sure. It's so yeah, impressive. Could be. And yeah. I'm one of those people where I'm all digital, right? Like yeah. I, I keep my laptop with me everywhere, but there is something about putting pen to paper yeah. that helps you remember stuff so much better. Yeah. I wish I could, <laughs> wish I could go back. Yeah. Well, just big picture, Matt, like what have been some of your takeaways from the five preseason games that we've had so far, in addition to the practices and some, some of the ways that you've been able to be around the team? Well, you know, I think that um, from the head coach down, there's the concept here that we have no choice but to do it by committee. And that's exactly what we've seen. Last three games, at least six players have scored in double figures. Um, only on occasion have we seen 20-plus point games. It's not been a frequent occurrence in the preseason. So I think what we're seeing is the willingness of players to fully buy into what the system is, the structure of the system. There's a willingness also to be creative and unselfish, to find uh, move the ball from a good shot to potentially a great shot, trusting teammates. It's been really impressive because this team had been in really good physical condition coming into camp, according to Mark Degnold. So that's not been an issue at all. When they've been on the floor, I've just been impressed by the unselfishness, the way they're playing for each other. And they're playing, I think, really crisp, good basketball for where we are in the season. And they've gotten a chance to go up against various different opponents that offer different looks and tests for the Thunder, which I think is so interesting. And even just getting in the habits of being on the road, getting in the habits of kind of starting to scout and understand mm -hmm. what that looks like in the NBA, being prepared for games. These six total preseason games, I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, how the Thunder comes out of it on the other end, given that this is a, a very large slate of games for a preseason. You've incorporated four road games, well, including that Tulsa game, and then also a back-to-back -back in, right. in the middle of all of that. That's a lot of great experience for a young group heading into a regular season. Yeah, and three games in four nights, which we know we'll see mm -hmm. with some frequency during the season. There's a conditioning, a, a, a nutritional aspect to make certain your body is ready yeah. to go. And this team came out that third game in four nights and just absolutely overwhelmed Adelaide. Really yeah. impressive, just mm -hmm. the professionalism. I fall back on last night after the game and J-Dub talking about it wasn't a coaching adjustment made at halftime to come out with the ferocity they did defensively to jump on the Pistons defensively in that third to turn the game. That was from within the ranks of the players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They recognize we didn't bring the effort that we're capable of in the first half. And that dramatically changed the flow of that game and the outcome, ultimately a 16-point win. That's a massive benefit of continuity. It allows these players to play with a sense of purpose, to channel their natural competitiveness into something that's actually productive on the floor. So when guys like Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who have been around the program for a little bit now, have that internal timer that's going off and letting them know, hey, this this effort has not been channeled exactly the way that it should be. We can go then actually address it on the floor. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that we're seeing on the floor in terms of the chemistry, the continuity that's really carrying over into these games. It's really fun to see these guys take their next steps in real time during these preseason games. And so we've got a lot to talk about. Let's dive a little bit deeper after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Coop Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites, F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. 
Well, we talked about it a little bit off the top, but I want to get into a little bit more of these six preseason games. The Thunder's played five so far. They'll play their last one tomorrow against the Spurs. But this is something that I haven't seen before. I mean, I've only been with the Thunder for four seasons. You guys have a collective lot more years than I do. Have you seen this before? And what's kind of the value and benefit of doing this? I remember when there were eight preseason games standard, standard yeah. operating practice. Everybody in the league did it. Mm -hmm. The preseason got exceptionally long, especially with <laughs> veteran-laden teams. But this is very different because there's an energy around each of these challenges that these young guys have, the coaching staff has, I think the organization has. There's a desire to see what's the capacity, what are they capable of, challenging them in different personnel groupings against different structured systems. And I think that's been a really impressive thing mm -hmm. so far to see Nikola Jokic and a lot of Denver starters mm -hmm. in the first preseason game yeah. on the road and, and rising to that challenge, winning that game by 11. The Mavericks didn't bring their full complement, but they played exceptionally hard. I thought brought the fight to the Thunder. There had, needed to be a physical response to that. Adelaide had made 24 three-pointers beating Phoenix previously in their U.S. stop. The Thunder shut down their three-point shooting abilities and, and overwhelmed them to win by 33. Then the game against Maccabi Ra'anana, a lot of the core guys got the night off. Younger mm -hmm. players had to be responsive. Maccabi came out believing mm -hmm. they could compete. They were up yeah. by six in the first quarter. There was a response there. And then what this team did defensively against Detroit in the win uh, on the road at halftime, adjusting yeah. and bringing physicality they hadn't the first half to overwhelm the Pistons. Just the structure of what they're doing collectively is impressive. The other thing, Nick, that I want to hear from you about is there's communication from young guys that's rare. Jeremiah yeah. Robinson Earl is communicating. It's verbal. It's visible. The same with uh, Jalen Williams, Arkansas. Both of those guys anchor what goes on at both mm -hmm. ends of the floor when they're in there. And you see that they have a fearlessness about approaching their teammates and communicating, which is necessary. It's a necessary component. Yeah. And they're self-starters, right? Nobody's begging them to do this on the floor. Those guys walked into the building, you know, coming from Villanova, coming from Arkansas with that kind of inherently within their games. And it's something that, you know, in the in talent evaluation process, you probably can't see that watching the NCAA tournament. You've got to be there on site, being able to hear and listen to what's going on on the floor. So that's very fascinating. Paris, you know, you asked the question about whether we'd seen this before. I, I can't remember a, a preseason slate this long since maybe 2013, 2014 range. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, and I don't know whether this is intentional or not, but I've been kind of viewing this in sets of twos, right? So you've got these two teams in Denver and Dallas that are, you know, Western Conference Finals mm -hmm. hopefuls. That's a little mini series that the Thunder's got to go deal with and play with. And how do you rise to the occasion against these very precise, high-level teams? Then you've got two international teams that you know nothing about. How do you deal with these two teams that you're going into it mm -hmm. very unfamiliar? You've got to go out and it's all about the competitive level. We'll figure out the tactics later. And then now on the backside of this, you've got two teams in Detroit and San Antonio that are more kind of in your same development arc. And how do you go out there and again from that competitive level, plant your flag in the ground and say, hey, we're, you know, we're young too, but we're going to be about all of these things that make us professionals. And you on, on your side of the table, you've got a game now where your main rotation players are out. You've got games mm -hmm. where you know, your main rotation guys don't play into the second half maybe a little bit. And so like you're, you're giving yourself a lot of different looks as well on, right. on just, on just what you put out there against that opponent. And I think this is really a, a good conversation because 
the Thunder can only, any team really, can only simulate so much in practice. You can only manufacture right. so many situations. Yes, the team will work on late game situations. They'll work on late late clock scenarios. And the Thunder was in one of those situations on the, on the road. And it they they weren't they didn't have that necessarily put in yet. And so being able to be out in a live game situation where the crowd is against you, we would talk about Detroit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was their first game against the, in their home arena mm-hmm. in front of their home crowd and they came out with a lot of juice. They came out yeah. with a lot of fire. You could feel it. You can't simulate that in a practice facility or in, a, in the Thunder Ion, you know. And so this is really, really good—a good test for the Thunder young players. This is a young group, right? And so it, it might be different for an older group, a more veteran group who's seen more pictures, seen more situations mm-hmm. and scenarios, and can kind of go out there and know what to expect. But the best practice for these young guys is actually doing the thing. Yeah, we'd have no idea that J Dub could execute up just by a handful late in that game at Denver and be in charge of running an offense there and getting good shots. Mm -hmm. We'd have no idea about what Poku would be able to do kind of at that point center spot. I mean, all of these things you can try to do in practice, but until you've got a live opponent up against you, you really don't know what you have. And what I love is that when Jalen Williams has asked his position, it's point guard. I'm point Mm -hmm. guard. So when I need to run the young group, the guys that are green like I am and are learning what this is all about – I'm willing. I'm going right. to be the playmaker. I'm going to get the ball where it needs to go. He, late in the shot clock in Denver, generates a shot for himself and scores off the backboard to quiet the crowd and to calm down what had become a chaotic situation. Next possession comes down, kicks out to Lindy Waters for an open three-pointer. Game, set, match. It's over. And he makes the two critical plays yeah. at critical junctures of the game. Like you said, Parrish, you can't simulate mm-hmm. those opportunities in practice environments. And to have six preseason games, three dress rehearsals, opportunities against competitive fire to see what it is you're made of, I think is going to really benefit and serve this team. Yeah, and you've got a ton of guys who are in, like interested accepting that role of being a playmaker, thinking when I have the ball, I'm a, I am the point guard. It doesn't necessarily mean right. they're the point guard mm-hmm. for the entirety of the game, but on each possession, if you have Jay Will from Arkansas thinking, okay, I've got the ball at the top of the key. I'm the point guard mm-hmm. now. I have to think the game that way. Trey Mann. Josh Giddy, of course. Shea Gildas Alexander when he comes back. Lou Dort, we saw playmaking yep. on the very first possession for Poku him last game. Alexei exactly. yeah. 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 Right. That's the type of mentality that the Thunder wants this team to have, that all five players on the floor, when they've got the ball on the catch, they are a playmaker. And that also helps off the ball, too. When you have all five guys locked in on the floor like that, thinking the next, next play, next action, what are we doing, what do I need to do? There's no passive player on the floor and that means everybody on the floor can anticipate okay what should i do next what cut can i make to help the person who does Mm -hmm. have the ball so it's not necessarily just the person who has the ball that's you know able to make these sort of decisions in these plays how many times have we seen j-dub just make the right cut and find himself open for a backdoor cut or maybe just like the ball landed in his lap yeah that crazy (laughs) pass from giddy (laughs) last night But, you know, you know, Detroit got giddied on that uh, out-of-bounds play sideline, yep. and yep. J-Dub made the cut, recognizing if there's a sliver of daylight, that ball's coming <laughs> exactly. my way. He catches in traffic and finishes. So the other thing to me, guys, is that 
we know the homework this organization does mm -hmm. before they draft players, before they target players in the draft. And to see some of the basketball IQ, the basketball DNA exibited mm -hmm. by J-Dub, J-Will, and Usman Jang. Yeah. I mean, he takes an approach where last night totally took the Pistons by surprise with his range. Yeah. He's two, three feet beyond the arc, not hesitating in rhythm, taking three-point shots, and he knocked down three of those. So there are components to what these players are made of that we're seeing in the preseason, that it's it's developing. We recognize that. It's going to be an evolving growth mm -hmm. process. It's not always going to be that uh, curve that goes directly up. Mm -hmm. There's going to be fits and starts. That's recognized. But you see some of the different things that were attractive about these players in real time against NBA competition. Let's get into our takeaways from these games because we're, we're, we've been able to see a lot, right? Yeah. We've got a lot of pictures that we can reference. So let's go down the line here. Nick, I want to start with you. What have been some of your biggest takeaways so far from this group and what you've seen? I would just say the, the selflessness on offense. I mean, mm -hmm. we saw 42 assists against Maccabi Renata. We've seen in every single one of these games, it feels like about two-thirds of the made baskets have come right. off of assists, which, which is just massive because – you look at some of the best offenses in the league and you look at that assist rate and it's right up there about two thirds or even above. You think about Denver and mm -hmm. um, the, the San Antonio teams of old and Golden State. I mean, they're getting their baskets by the product of the offense creating movement and creating passing and cutting and uh, wide open shots and not that isolation ball. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. This was definitely one of my takeaways. What I find so interesting about this is that, and I think you brought this up earlier, Matt, regardless of the opponent, and there are a lot mm -hmm. of different opponents, right? You've got Denver, who's a bigger team, who doesn't necessarily switch a lot defensively. Ball movement's going to be the key to, right. to unlocking your opportunities on that end of the floor. You go up against a Detroit team that is still big, but super switch heavy defensively ball movement is going to be the key right. to your success. And so at the end of the day, the Thunder is really leaning into something that is going to be a constant for them all season long. You've got such versatile players out there on the floor. And no matter your opponent, no matter your lineup, clearly against mm -hmm. Maccabi Ranana, there weren't a lot of players on the floor in that Thunder's main rotation. And yet the ball movement still was key. That's something that regardless of what is out there on the floor, you can lean into. And Matt, just to tee you up, I mean, we've seen over the years teams – whether it's the Thunder or other teams, when when opponents switch up their defenses, that can become paralyzing. But if ball movement is your natural instinct, mm -hmm. if that's been born into you from the day that you walked in the door like it has been these last three draft classes, that is going to become totally instinctual so that when you are presented with something new on the floor, it's not foreign and it's not paralyzing. I'm going to go on the other side of the ball because yeah. I think when you look at the length assembled on this team, the mm -hmm. versatility that wise, mm -hmm. the size they bring, it's not necessarily that they're taller than their opposition because in a lot of instances they're not, right. but the width, you know, going <laughs> east to west, <laughs> right. um, they get into passing lanes, they clog the lane, they get to shooters yeah. and the closeouts because of the extension that they bring shuts down three point offense yeah. in patches of games that are decisive, yeah. that turn games. I mean, this team on one occasion has allowed more than 100 points in preseason, and you recognize there's some discombobulation going on with the opponent. This is not a, a regular rotation that trots out in the regular season, but this team has shown a competitive fire defensively, and they've shown the physical capacity to shut down some of what the opposition wants to do. I think that's been really impressive so far. This is something that stood out to me all the way back in Summer League because when I saw that first Summer League team out there, I believe it was, you know, Jalen Williams, Alexei Pokashevsky, you had Josh Giddy out there. 
just arms yep. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> just arms. And, I, and one person who comes to mind is Jalen Williams, Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. Seven foot two Seven wingspan. Seven two yeah. wingspan. And it's just, it's apparent that that causes so much disruption defensively. Yeah, you're right. The length or the height might not be the indicator when you're coming down the floor, but as a point guard, if I just see arms in every passing lane, that is going to cause some issues for you me. You still, though, do have that height. I mean, everybody besides, I think, Trey Mann and Lou Dort is... Six six or above. Right. So I mean, this is going to be a team that, if they want to, they can switch. If they want to play coverage, they can switch. I mean, this is going to be a dynamic group that, and you have to be in the modern NBA because some nights you're going up against Damian Lillard or mm -hmm. Steph Curry, and you've got to come up and be all the way up. Other nights you're playing against a team where, hey, switching might be our better bet. So mm -hmm. you just you have to be able to be adaptable to all styles, but. The more space on the floor that you're taking up, yeah. the better off you're going to be. <laughs> closeouts are essential. A season ago, this team led the NBA mm -hmm. in closeout percentage on shots, which means the effort mm -hmm. is baked in. Right. They've bought in the core group, the continuity you spoke of, Paris. So now when you add the length they have through the draft, it makes them that much more difficult to crack consistently from the perimeter. And the perimeter game is so essential in today's game. Most teams are playing five-out basketball. So right. you've got to be able to guard that with switchability and contesting shots. And this team, I think, is equipped to do that. All right. You talked offense. Yeah. You talked defense. Mine is a little mine's a little bit of both. All right. And it's the physicality that this group has shown so far. So impressive and encouraging. And here's why. So last season, we heard from Mark Dagnall and Sam, Sam Presti in their end-of-season press conferences. And one of the things that they really wanted to emphasize this offseason, they wanted to see the group take steps forward in this season – was their physicality, mm -hmm. right? They knew they're not going to be the tallest team every night, not necessarily the biggest team every night, not the most veteran team, certainly. And so they certainly, certainly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they have to come and enforce themselves with a mentality. And physicality is actually mental, right? It yeah. is not physical as, as it might sound. It's a decision. It's a choice on every possession. And one, there was a, there was a couple of plays last night in Detroit that really emphasized this for me. So in the first half of that Detroit game, Jalen Williams of Santa Clara found himself mismatched against uh, one of Detroit's big men. I cannot remember exactly who it was, but I just remember the finish. They threw a lob over the top of him, over the top of J-Dub. He was fronting him. He couldn't get the, couldn't get the position, and they scored on the lob over top of him. For the rest of the game, every single lob pass that was thrown was broken up. Every yeah. single one. J-Dub got one. J-R-E got one. J-Will got J -Will, one. J-Will, yeah. Bays. All of those guys got broke up a lob. And I asked Coach Dagnold about it after the game. I was like, did you talk about like breaking up lobs? Like, Was that like a, mm -hmm. a thing that happened in, in a huddle? <laughs> he was like, that starts with physicality. Yeah. You don't get that unless you make them feel you and push them out. And then you can get the position to break up the lob. And I thought that was such a great indicator of the the importance of physicality and how it can pay off in a game. Can't get an alley oop if you're bodied out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a disposition you have to have to execute what this team is desiring executing. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that. We've not seen it 100% of the time. We won't. There's youth. Yeah. There are different components to what goes on competitively in the course of an 82-game regular season. But during stretches when they're engaged at the level we're talking about, it's difference-making. Yeah. And I think this team can be much more disruptive than last year's squad, for example, that didn't generate a lot of steals, didn't turn opposing teams over. This team, I think, has more of a capacity to get into the opposition physically. And when you do that and they're disrupted, they're off tick. 
it's going to you know manifest itself on their defensive end of the floor with frustration and fouls yep. that they'll take. We saw that last night a couple of times on the Pistons' part. It's a good reminder, Matt, that this will be in fits and starts too. I mean, there's going to be some nights where this no team question. is totally wiped out. Yep. And that's it's just going to happen. There's also going to be times where the opposing team comes in and they've just lost two games in a row and they're a high-level team trying to make the playoffs. And they get a first punch thrown at them and it's going to be up to the Thunder to try to deliver that back. We saw that throughout the course of last year that this team was able to level those punches right back. Yep. I think something that all of the guys have talked about is this year – we can't let that happen to us in the first quarters. We've got to be delivering just as much of a punch in the first quarters. I'm going to be fascinated to see that heading into the regular season. And we'll see it early because the the, the Lions' mouth is open to begin the regular season. <laughs> and we'll see this team stepping into that Lions' mouth and how they respond. It's almost like, okay, you're in the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let's see you practice some of the things you've been working on as the run-up to the regular season starting. Yep, baptism by fire. And the Thunder has done a really good job of answering those calls when they get faced with physicality matching it right back with some physicality of their own, really going toe-to-toe competitively. That Detroit game was a great, great example of that. And so far, a lot of encouraging signs from this group, but also a great reminder that there are going to be a lot of ups and downs with a young team. There's going to be fits and starts, like you mentioned, but a lot of encouraging signs so far from this group. We've gotten a lot taken away so far. I mean, I can't wait to see what we got to talk about after this last preseason game in San Antonio. You can watch that on Valley Sports Oklahoma. That's at 7 p.m. in San Antonio. You can also listen to it on the radio with Mr. Matt Pinto, WWS Sports Animal, and the Thunder Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and, of course, tune in to the Thunder Basketball Universe. As always, we've got you covered on everything that you need to know. Until then, thanks so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. We're Wherever you get your podcast, thank you so much, Matt Pinto, for Great joining to us today. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. And yeah. thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.